0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, hit the wall, Great slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where
1: fantasy becomes reality. Now
0: here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What's
1: going on everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Wednesday, September 22nd. Only five regular season podcasts left. Let's finish strong here. Frank Stample joined us always by Scott White, who is in a new location. Scott, it's like we're playing house roulette nowadays. How you doing? What's going on? Where are you?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm back in my in-law's house like I was a few weeks ago. The internet at home failing me again. So it's a, it's a, it's a real blow to the idea of self-sufficiency, Frank. I'm feeling slightly emasculated. <laughs> Constantly having to uh to to go to my in-laws and say, Can I use your internet? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and stay up really late in your house. Yeah, well, that's where I am now. I, I would call out my internet company, but I will I will I will not. All I will right. not do that. I will spare them the embarrassment.
1: Okay, we're we're too classy for that, but if you're <laughs> listening whatever internet provider Scott has, do you realize who we're dealing with here. I mean, this is a big deal. It Come is. On, let's get it together here. But a big I, deal. I do know the feeling I've, I've had my internet blow out a few times. I've had to walk up the block to my in-laws. So I'm right there with you, Scotty. Uh, I think we've all been there today on the show. We have a few last second waiver wire moves that you might want to make. I have some hitters some pitchers that we'll talk about. Of course, uh, next week is the final week of the season. So some final lineup decisions you might need to make some starter sit. We had a bunch of pitchers go the past couple days that I do want to talk to Scott about uh, one that I am a little bit worried about. Do we throw him in there? He's, he's been a mainstay in our lineups all season long, but let's talk about Shane Boz and this debut because on Monday, the kid was awesome going up against the Toronto blue Jays, five innings, two runs, zero walks, five strikeouts. He had 15 swinging strikes on only 65 pitches. So, to me, that's the blemish, right? Is that the Rays were kind of the Rays here. They only let him throw 65 pitches, but he was awesome in those 65 pitches. Three-pitch mix, 45% fastball, 40% slider, 15% curveball. He averaged right around 97 miles per hour with that fastball. One that he struck out Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on in his first inning of work, 99-mile-per-hour fastball up in the zone. He looked great, Scott. And I think even bigger news is that Michael Waka pitched out of the bullpen on Tuesday. He threw three innings in relief. And if that's the case, I haven't seen anything yet regarding the rotation. But if that if that stays, then I think we're back to a five-man rotation. And Shane Boz might have a second start this week against the Marlins. So what do you see in the mm-hmm. debut? What do you think actually happens here with the rotation?
0: Well, I don't think we're going to know until it happens. The Rays, uh, you know, they, they're it's like they're managed by Bill Belichick. They just they don't tell us anything. They don't give us forewarning, especially with regard to their pitching staff. So, uh, i I don't think I don't think we're going to know Shane Bos's start wh- whether he's starting Sunday until maybe Saturday. And, um, but yeah, I mean the the thinking the reason why I wasn't interested in starting him for his major league debut is because I, I really wasn't counting on him getting a second start because I figured, you know, Waka has been halfway decent. All everyone in the rotation had been halfway decent. I didn't think any of them deserved to lose their job. I thought they'd want to give them all rest heading into the postseason extra rest. So why not just go six man and maybe they'll insert somebody else to keep them spaced out, you know? Um, but the fact of the matter is he got a win. Shane Boz got a win. The the Rays rallied from down two runs, I believe, in the, uh, you know, just before Shane Boz exited. So he, he managed to come away with a win and allowed only two base runners. They were both home runs, but still. Low whip, fine ERA, and he got a win for you. So I... I Regardless of whether he makes that second start, I would say um, he, he delivered about as much as you could hope for because I, most of all, I was suspicious that the Rays would let him go beyond five innings, and they didn't. He certainly could have, having only thrown 65 pitches. But uh, you got as much as you could have hoped for. And if he makes a second start, then you know it's, it's, it's obviously going to be a big win for you. I guess it's possible the Marlins knock him around in that start, but I, I doubt it because he looked awesome. <laughs> he looked awesome. You mentioned the 15 swinging strikes on just 65 pitches. High spin rate on everything. That fastball, you know, he was getting hitters to swing under it, up in the zone. The slider looked nasty. It was responsible for 10 of his 15 swinging strikes, and um, he looked like somebody who you could called the best pitching prospect in baseball. One of the two home runs he gave up to Teoscar Hernandez. I don't even know how he made contact with it. It was, it was one of those high fastballs, and somehow he, he managed to, to, to catch up to it up in the zone. Uh, but Boz looked amazing. Um, if he does start against the Marlins to end the week... Uh, let me double check what his mat, who his matchup would be again. Then in the final week, it
1: would be at the Yankees.
0: At the Yankees, so still not a great matchup, but better than Houston. Uh, it's you know we'll we'll see what happens, but I I think it's possible you you might consider starting him next week. I I still go back to the idea between the majors and the minors. He's only made one six inning start all year, so you uh, know as a general rule, I don't like starting guys who I feel like have no chance of a quality start. Just because how much can they possibly do for you? But it's it's at least in the discussion for Shane Boz after that debut.
1: You don't like pitchers who can't give you a quality start, Scott. I mean, that disqualifies like 75% of the pitcher pool if we're being honest, right?
0: Well, you're exaggerating. <laughs> I, not that they have to give me a quality start even the majority of the time, but it at least has to be a possibility. If you know they're, they just have no chance of it, then, um, I don't know, I feel like except in very specific circumstances. You're kind of wasting your time.
1: So Boz is 37% rostered. It feels weird to call anyone a must-add at this point in the season, but let's say you play in a daily lineup league, Scott. Would you consider Shane Boz a must-add just on that possibility that he faces the Marlins later this week and then faces the Yankees, I guess, next week?
0: I don't know that i call it a must-add. Um, it's a pretty good idea to add him, though. I'll say that.
1: Yep, and I think a few pitchers you can drop just based on what we've seen uh, recently out of them. Vladimir Gutierrez has now failed to complete four innings in four of his last five starts. I know he faces the Pirates next week, but I just can't play him the way that he's pitching right now. And the same thing with Jesus Lazardo. Kind of looked like we had something there for a few starts, but has now made 10 starts with the Marlins. He's got an ERA over seven and a 1.71 whip. So uh, if you are... Yeah, he
0: started, he started mixing in the fastball again. He kind of got away from really emphasizing the curve and up. And or was it a slider? A breaking ball and the changeup. Uh, Lazardo was emphasizing. And when he, when he had that interesting three-start stretch, um, yeah, I'm not sure he's going to be... You're going to want to use him again. And I agree, Vladimir Gutierrez... He's about to make his third straight start against the Pirates next week. So, actually, does he have... He has another start later this week, right? Yep, he does. But the point is, his last two starts have gone against the Pirates, and they were both awful. And so, it doesn't... I'm not sure it even matters that he's facing the Pirates next week, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, for Lizardo, it seems like... In starts where he doesn't have a feel for that, either the breaking pitch or change, or maybe both of them, he just doesn't have a choice but to go to his fastball and sinker. So uh, those are the starts where he gets in trouble because he really, you know, for someone who had great control in the minors, he just really has not had good control, you know, mostly since returning from uh, breaking his hand earlier in the year. But it's it's been a weird a weird kind of road for Lazardo, trajectory, whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what to expect going into next year when it comes to, jesus lazardo let's talk about a few standouts from the past couple of days oh my goodness oh
0: my goodness
1: gracious all right scott i gave you about a nine minute buffer here to figure out who you wanted to talk about who you got
0: i think i kind of want to talk about adam duvall because i don't feel like we've talked about him very much he homered for the eighth time this month on Monday and he, he finally did take an over offer on Tuesday, but he had hit safely in every game in September prior to that with, with eight home runs, as I mentioned for the season, he's at 37 home runs. He's at 107 RBI. And yet his on base percentage is below 300. (laughs) And, uh, I think it was Matt Snyder, our own Matt Snyder, who tweeted this out yesterday. Yeah, no player has ever gotten to 40 home runs in 100 RBI with a sub-300 OBP. No player in history has done that. Some have come close, but nobody's technically gotten there. Now, Now, Duvall's already there with the RBI. 37 home runs. Could he hit three home runs the rest of the way? Yeah, that's certainly within the realm of possibility. It's not a guarantee. But he could become the first player to achieve that unlikely stat line, and it's just—I don't think he's gotten enough credit for how useful he's been in fantasy because there, he does an OPP that low. I mean, it's—it's it's hard to appreciate a guy like that, and and you look at, you know, low batting average potential, hardly ever walks. You wouldn't think he be as useful in fantasy as he's been. And even I know going into this week, he was only about 75% rostered in CBS sports leagues. Um, But he's been, you know, he's been very useful. He's been much better than I think people realize much more useful than I think people realize. And while I know there's like a ridiculous percentage of his home runs have come with runners on base. And so that's obviously affected the RBI total. And is that replicable? Probably not. But I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate Adam Duvall during what's been his best month of the season in the best season of his career.
1: You know, it's crazy. I'm looking up his rank on Roto, in Roto this year, he is the 47th overall player. Yep. He just, he has randomly has five steals, zero caught stealing. So I don't know if that's just been he's picking the spots or he's part of a double steal, whatever it might be. But 231 batting average, 37 homers, 107 RBI. I mean, that is just astounding. Every time I see Duvall's home run and RBI count, it is just, it is crazy, especially compared to his 65 runs scored. So uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's been a ridiculous. Awesome season for uh, Adam Duvall, who is, he's still 76% rostered. He's got six home games next week, so maybe he's floating around in some shallower leagues, but my guess is uh, anyone who's actually paying attention and playing at this point, he's probably not available in those leagues. Oh my goodness gracious for me, Kevin Gosman. He is, uh, he's kind of limping to the finish line here, and he pitched on Tuesday, gave up four runs on nine hits over four innings pitched against the San Diego Padres. And in 13 second-half starts, he has a 5.05 ERA. Someone who's been in our lineups all season long. Looks like he's in line for two starts next week versus the Diamondbacks versus the Padres. And you know, I just looked into his second half right before we started because, admittedly, I haven't given it close enough attention. I don't have Kevin Goldsman on any of my fantasy teams this year. He's got a very high BABIP in the second half. The walk rate looks fine. He's got a 3.24 XFIP. This is entering Tuesday, so Tuesday's not included yet. Versus 3.31 xFIP fip in the first half. So based on the underlying numbers, Gosman has actually pitched better in the second half than the first half, which just really kind of surprised me here. So, uh, Scott, are you leaving him in the lineup with everything on the line the final week of the season, given how bad or unlucky Gosman has been in the second half?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm generally not in favor of doing these kind of micro dissections for pitchers I gen- generally believe in. And Gosman, I mean, the overall stat line is still ace-like. Obviously, you point out the underlying numbers, they're still ace-like. Uh, his last two starts, both against the Padres, for what it's worth, have been kind of shaky, but the previous two, three earned runs in six innings with nine strikeouts, three earned runs in seven innings with nine strikeouts. uh, and then two starts prior to that, he had a quality start too. So there's, there's been, there's been a lot of good with the bad. You know, it's, I, I guess you could say Gosman's second half is kind of like Aaron Nola's whole season. And I've been willing to stick with Aaron Nola. I, I would stick with Gosman as well. His, he lines up for two starts next week, we think. And uh, it would be the, the first would be against the diamondbacks. The second would be against the Padres for what it's worth. The, the team that's, hit him pretty well the last two turns but still two starts from a guy with those season numbers and one of them's against the Diamondbacks I don't I don't really even give it a second thought he's Gosman's sticking in my lineup all
1: right, keep Gosman in there for the final week of the season. And I just want to give a huge thanks to everybody who is still listening, watching us on YouTube at this point in the season. If we've helped you make it to your finals or you're near the top of your standings in Roto, or if you've just enjoyed listening to us all season long, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple for both Fantasy Baseball Today and Fantasy Baseball Today in 5 if you do consume our shorter podcast. It is much uh, appreciated as always. News and notes. Chris Bassett will indeed return on Thursday and start against the Seattle Mariners. He is 76% rostered and 14% started. James Kaprilian is moving back to the bullpen. I asked you the other day, Scott, you said you wouldn't throw Bassett... Back out there if you play in a daily lineup league, right?
0: No, not for the first start back. He hasn't been able to have any kind of rehab assignment, and um, I just think it's—I I just think it's too risky. But I do think he's worth picking up where he's available, and I, I assume he was dropped in some leagues. Well, obviously he was because his roster rate is below eighty percent. But uh, it's worth picking him up because. You know, if, if things go fine in this first turn, he'll be scheduled to face the Mariners again in the final week of the season, and he'll be more stretched out. And uh, pretty good chance he'll give you a quality start because he was a must-start pitcher before the injury.
1: Carlos Rodon reported more soreness after his start on Monday. He needed 69 pitches to get through just three innings against the Detroit Tigers. Apparently, he will make another start, and that will come next Wednesday against the Cincinnati Reds. And- oh, that
0: got, that got confirmed? Because Larusa was saying probably not. After the start,
1: uh, I believe that was a news item that came out on Tuesday. I'm pulling up his p- player page on CBS, but it was something that I read. So, 12 hours ago, and we're recording this uh, right around 1 a.m. on uh, Wednesday morning. Rodon is expected to make his next start September 29th against the Red, the Reds. Uh, Maddie okay. Maddie Lee of NBC Sports Chicago reports. So it sounds okay. like that is going to happen, uh, but. I mean, he's been a shell of his former self. And um, he's wow. averaging, he's averaging 93.6 miles per hour on his fastball through three mm-hmm. September starts compared to 95.6 miles per hour for the season. So he's down two miles per hour on the fastball. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it even makes sense to hold on to him, Scott, or I know we will talk about this a little bit later on. You wrote an article about the best pitchers to stash for the final week of the season. Should we drop Rodon for potentially one of those names? I week? think
0: it's, I think it's okay too. They're, I'd be surprised. Uh, they, they haven't been working. The, the, the biggest issue for Rodan, you know, inning for inning, he's been pretty effective. It's just, they've given him very few innings and they've spaced his starts out, basically skipping every other turn. And, um, just hard to get any use out of him in fantasy that way. And then there is also that weird velocity issue that's been going on. I, th- I believe his last fastball before being coming out Monday was 89.5 miles per hour. So <laughs> even well below the 93, that was already disappointing. I don't really know what to make of that. Um, La Russa said it was concerning, but Rodan himself was just like, no, nah, I'm just a little sore or whatever. Like he was, he was totally downplaying it. And the thing is, like, we've seen big fluctuations in his velocity over the course of games before. He tends to gain velocity the deeper he goes into his starts, So that's kind of just a quirk of his to begin with, variable velocity on the fastball. Uh, So, you know, uh, hard to know what to make of any of it, but I think the biggest thing is, like, is this the start where he's suddenly going to throw six, seven innings? No, I doubt it. I doubt it, um, considering LaRusso was talking about skipping them all together. So I just I can't imagine using Rodon in the final week with everything going on there.
1: Yeah, he's thrown less than 80 pitches in five of his last seven starts. So they're obviously making an effort to limit Carlos Rodon here down the stretch. I'm with you. I, I would be okay dropping him for uh, someone who has a better matchup in the final week of the season. Shane Bieber will be activated from the 60-day IL to make a start later this week as long as he didn't suffer any setbacks following Tuesday's bullpen session. I searched on Twitter. I couldn't find anything regarding that. Um, would you throw him back in the lineup if you play in Daily League, Scott? If you've been stashing Shane Bieber, you throw him right back out there first time out. I
0: can't see myself doing that, no. However, presuming he comes out of that start fine, he looks good. He throws, I don't know, 60-plus pitches. Uh, his final start of the season would be at Texas. So he might be worth using in the final week, but I, I want to be willing to run him out there in his very start, first start back from that long absence.
1: And if you're wondering why Shane Bieber is even returning at all, I did find this in Zach Mizell's article on The Athletic. Quote, Bieber has stressed that a normal offseason with a customary build toward spring training is the goal. So he would prefer to make an appearance or two before the end of the MLB season to have tangible results to reference after the completion of his recovery from a shoulder strain. So that is the reasoning why he is trying to return here. Uh, Speaking of returns, Jacob deGrom threw a 20-pitch bullpen session on Tuesday and still expects to return before the end of the season already then, if you say so. Rays manager Kevin Cash indicated Wander Franco will be ready to return Friday against the Miami Marlins. And speaking of the Rays, Andrew Kittredge went on the IL with neck tightness on Monday. Dietrich Enns, E-N-N-S is the name there, recorded the final out for his second save on Monday. JT Chargois got the first two outs in the ninth. Do you have any idea what happens here, Scott?
0: Oh, no, it's back to... Back to the usual, usual situation for the Rays. Ends Dietrich Enns, had been, been a bulk guy prior to him having this one out save. He had been a bulk reliever's previous two appearances went four innings each. So I don't think he's stepping into the closer role here. Charagua's probably been their most effective guy, but I think JP Fireyson is healthy now. Yeah, so you know they could turn to him some too
1: as is Nick Anderson. so
0: Yeah, I, I don't think anybody specifically is worth pursuing here. You know, obviously, if you're in a deep enough league where all potential save sources are rostered, maybe you make a play for Chargois, but in most leagues, there are better saves options out there.
1: Cody Bellinger was placed on the IL with a left rib fracture, retroactive to September 18th. Scott, give me a two to three round range where do you expect Bellinger to be drafted next season on September twenty second?
0: Uh, eight to ten.
1: <laughs> oh man, uh, he's look. We've said this for a lot of players, but Bellinger and Yelich are probably at the top of the list with uh, being the most polarizing players heading into next year. Because I've just got no clue.
0: I have well, look. No we clue. we gave them both the benefit of the doubt going into this year. And I just don't know why we'd do it again I do not I d I don't I, I'm not saying either one is washed. It's it's they're both young enough that they could bounce back and especially Ballinger, He's very young. But I don't know. You'd be passing up some good some really good players to take that gamble on them. And there's a point where it's worth taking the gamble. I just don't think it's gonna be in the first five, six rounds.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you know that Adam Azer gets angry on the football podcast whenever people say washed, refer, referring to a player that is no longer good? He says, it's washed up. It's not washed.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I got to admit that was when I first heard the term, it sounded like a contradiction from the more traditional washed up. So I get where he's coming from. It's kind of like goat, you know, like goat <laughs> used to be the guy who deserves the blame. Right. And then it became the greatest of all time, like the opposite of how you were used to hearing it. So that that took kind of an adjustment, a mental adjustment too. these these kids, these kids don't know. <laughs> oh, man, I, I'm reading the uh,
1: the Urban Dictionary uh, a- example for washed and it's uh, it's pretty good. Uh, M- uh, MC Hammer is mad washed now. So that's it's uh that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, it's more of a you know, it's more of a hip term now. Come on, get with the times, Adam. Yes, Cody Bellinger, he, he's not washed yet. We don't think. Hopefully not. Clayton Kershaw will get an extra day of rest and make his next start Saturday against the Diamondbacks. AJ Pollock will be activated off of the IL on Thursday. He's fifty-eight percent rostered and has six home games next week. Would you be willing to add Pollock and throw him back in there for the final week?
0: I mean, Gavin Lux has done a good job in his absence, so I don't know if Pollock just assumes everyday duty in left field again. Kind of doubt it knowing the Dodgers, but I I guess the the short answer is no. I wouldn't be willing to do that with Pollock because I – I'm not sure how that's going to play out with the playing time. Carlos Carrasco's thumb is fine. After
1: he jammed it during his most recent start, he's expected to be back on the mound for his normal turn in the rotation against the Milwaukee Brewers. Mitch Garver returned to the Twins on Tuesday and was batting eighth in the lineup. He is 51% rostered with six games next week. But he was splitting time when he was healthy. Even if I needed a catcher's guy, and I'm just kind of like streaming catchers at this point, I don't think I would be very interested in Mitch Garver.
0: Yeah, certainly in one catcher leagues, it's I I don't I don't see how I could pull the tr- trigger on that either. But it'll be interesting to watch how this last week goes for him. He's somebody whose uh, twenty twenty two draft status I think is very much up in the air.
1: I've got the catcher for next week. The streamer, are you ready? Sure. Cabert Ruiz, five hits with five RBI over his last two games. He's thirty two percent rostered. Six games next week. Three of those are in Coors Field. Kbert Ruiz is your catcher to stream next week. Uh, was- uh, I, I,
0: I, sh- I will mention, since you brought him up, Kbert, K-Bert, K-Bert Ruiz. Um, four multi-hit games in his last five. He's got that batting average up around 270 now, I think, but only one extra base hit during that stretch, a double. So it's been a lot of singles. Just
1: pointing that out. Yeah, I mean, hey, we got to start somewhere, Scotty. So it yeah. <laughs> uh, looks good recently for Cabert Ruiz. And of course, we like those games in Coors Field. It was a cool moment when uh, Luis Severino pitched in Relief Tuesday. He went two innings. He allowed two hits. Uh, he did have two strikeouts. It was his first time pitching in a major league game since 2019. So awesome to see there for Luis Severino. Jack Flaherty could be used in an opener role during one half of Friday's doubleheader against the Cubs. This doesn't really matter anymore this season,
0: right? I would not plan on using Flaherty in fantasy, no.
1: Okay, Garrett Whitlock was placed in the IL for the Red Sox with right pectoral tightness. Seth Beer will undergo surgery on his dislocated left shoulder on Thursday. A few prospect updates that I wanted to mention. Adley Rutschman ends his 2021 season with a two eighty-three batting average, 22 homers, 74 walks to 81 strikeouts between AA and AAA. And I was reading that he should be ready for an early season promotion next year with the Baltimore Orioles. So I don't he'll be one of the top prospects drafted in redraft leagues next year. Obviously catcher position is is pretty shallow, but yeah, it mm-hmm. was it was a great year for uh, for Adley Rutschman. A few other promotions. I wanted to mention Max Meyer promoted to AAA by the Marlins. He's made 20 starts this year at A, 2.41 ERA, one two three whip. Uh, Over a strikeout per inning, the walk's a little bit high. That's why you see that whip a little bit higher than it should be. Uh, He does get ground balls over 50% of the time. He was the first-round pick for the Marlins in last year's draft back in 2020. Again, Max Meyer is the name there. And the Yankees promoted shortstop Oswald Peraza to Triple A in 107 games between high A and double A. Peraza was batting 297, 17 homers, 36 steals. So some power, speed, batting average. Someone I know, the Welsh, is very excited about Oswald Peraza. He is still just 21 years old. I don't know if he makes it to the majors next year. You know, Maybe if you know injuries happen, something in the second half. But I think the Yankees are going to slow play him there. Anything you'd like to mm-hmm. add on uh, Rutschman, Meyer, Peraza?
0: I don't know that it's common that you see a legit prospect like that spend more than a full year at AAA. So anybody who's made it to AAA this year, I would expect to see at some point next year, just as a general rule, rushman. I, yeah, I think he's on the verge of a promotion and I've, I've kind of wondered how the Orioles are going to play at this off season because rushman is, is on the verge of, of breaking in and Grayson Rodriguez on the verge of breaking in. And, you know, they're, they're about to get some pretty big prospects up. They might be, they might start thinking about taking that next step. I wonder this in light of John Means' performance on mm-hmm. Monday, because, you know, part of the reason we hadn't seen as much swings and misses from him since his return from the ILs, he didn't have a great feel for his changeup and wasn't throwing it that much, but he seemed to get it back. And he's on, you know, kind of a quality start streak anyway, even without having a great use of that changeup. His ERA is in the low threes still. His whip for the season is below one. Uh, he has a losing record because he pitches for the Orioles, but I don't know. John, John Means is also going to be a guy that's interesting to rank for next season.
1: Mm. Does John mean business again? We will talk do about Do the that.
0: Orioles mean business I, for I, John Means?
1: I hope they do. I hope that they are, you know, they, they've been, the past couple of years, obviously they're under a new regime. I think it's, the past year or two, they, they kind of you know revamped everything there. Uh, I I do wonder if you know how aggressive they're going to be next year with some of these names: Rutchman, Grayson, Rodriguez, DL Hall is another name there too. Uh, just because they're, they're still a couple of years away, so they don't have to be aggressive. Well, you with some think of these they're guys. a couple years
0: away, but I, yeah. I I'm saying their their off season maneuvering might give us an idea into their thinking. I mean, do they? I really don't know their financial situation very well, obviously they don't have many they don't have a bunch of big salaries on the books now do they do they pursue a big bat? you know a lot of times that's the signal that uh, the franchise is ready to transition from rebuilding to contention, like we saw the Padres do with air Cosmer, we saw the Nationals do with Jason Worth years ago so it'll, it'll it's something to keep an eye on
1: i I was looking to see... Oh, so they they deferred his contract. Oh, man. I was looking to see how how much longer Chris Davis is, is under contract. Wow. They, uh, yeah, he's,
0: he's under contract for a long time.
1: Oof. Oh, my
0: that's That's one of the biggest contracts.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is like Bobby Bonilla all over again. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's mm-hmm. going to be getting paid... Over a million dollars every year until he's fifty-one years old, in twenty thirty-seven.
0: <laughs> I mean, both both sides win, right? Because if yeah. they had to pay Davis what they actually owed him these upcoming years, it, it would handcuff their ability to do the sort of move I'm talking about. So,
1: yep. Uh All right, I, we've talked about the Baltimore Orioles way too long at this point in the season. I will just point out: if you are an Orioles fan, much like the Mariners, obviously the Mariners are in an even better place in terms of their their farm system and their prospects. You've got yeah. a lot to be excited about. I think, you know, within the next two to three years, the Orioles are going to make some noise. They have Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kauser, Jordan Westberg. Hopefully, Heston Kierstad can make it back on the field too, but they have a very promising farm system, the, the Baltimore Orioles do. We'll take a quick break. When we return, where should we add these hitters, if anywhere? We'll talk about it next on Fantasy Baseball Today. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so let's talk about some of these hitters who might be available in your league right now. Bobby Dahlbeck went two for four on Tuesday. Not like he did anything crazy, but he's 52% rostered. He's got six games next week at the Orioles, at the Nationals. Right, we talked about this. Uh oh, he's in the National League park, so they won't have the DH but it looks like four lefties are on the schedule so uh this is a tough one Scotty because i was getting excited about Bobby Dahlbeck. but
0: i i really don't think it's a tough one because JD Martinez Kyle Schwarber yep um Alex Verdugo now it's Schwarber just... can play first base which is obviously where Dahlbeck normally plays i'm, I'm forgetting an outfielder right
1: uh you mentioned Verdugo. they have
0: JD we looked Martinez. at we looked at the other day and i just didn't see a way they could keep
1: yeah, oh, this is frustrating because, again, it's like you just want to start your hitters against the Orioles pitching any time that you can, and then you see all those lefties on the schedule. It just lines up so perfectly
0: uh, for... Oh, Hunter Renfro.
1: Run- oh, yeah. Renfro's had a great yeah. second half, too. So Yep. All right, so uh, I think we're skipping out on Dahlbeck, right? Yep. All right, let's talk about Hunter Dozier. Back-to-back days with a home run. Very quietly, having a big September. 288 batting average, five homers, a 998 OPS, He's 34% rostered. He has triple eligibility, first, third outfield. He's got six home games next week against Cleveland, Minnesota. I don't think that he's a must-add, Scott, but is there anywhere that you would look to add, Dozier? Maybe a Roto League with a corner and and five outfielders?
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe a really deep Roto League, but I don't. I mean, he's had such a bad season that this recent string of success just isn't enough to win me over.
1: All oh, right. Let's talk about Kyle Farmer, who I think you had as one of your sleeper hitters this week. Was it this week or I last did. week? All right. This so week. He's off to a very nice start this week, so kudos to you, Scotty. Five hits, one homer in two games thus far. His last seven games, he's betting 370 with two home runs. He's 32% rostered. The problem only has five road games next week. Looking to add Kyle Farmer anywhere.
0: I am not. Three of those five games next week are at Pittsburgh. No good pitchers there. Okay. But still, I, I think I think in standard size leagues, you're going to be able to do better than Farmer at any of the positions where he's eligible. Except maybe if you play in a Yahoo League and he's eligible to catcher.
1: <laughs> yeah, that would make some sense. All right, you're probably tired of hearing us talk about Frank Schwindel. No, I'm not about to talk about Frankie Two Hits. He only got one hit today. Uh, I mean, what is going on with that guy? It was guy? a double. Uh, sh-
0: two bags. Sheesh. Frankie Two Bags. I mean, live, live up
1: to your name, will you? <laughs> uh, another name we keep talking about is Lane Thomas, but he is he is an unsung hero in fantasy baseball right now. Two for four with a home run on Monday. He did go over four on Tuesday, but swiped another bag. And he has played thirty four games with Washington. Two ninety four batting average, six homers, three steals. He's got six games next week. Three of those are in Coors Field. I, I want him, Scott. I want Lane Thomas the way that he is playing since he's joined this team, three games in course. Yes, I, I think even even in three outfielder leagues, if you're just kind of
0: streaming outfield, yeah, yeah, give me Lane Thomas. It, you'd have, it'd have to be a pretty glaring need in a three outfielder league, I think, but this will probably be the first week where I relent and put Lane Thomas in my 10 sleeper hitters. I could see yes. that happening with that series at Course Field because he has had a great month of September.
1: I just banged my funny bones, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: my hand is like going crazy right now. It's on fire. Ah. Uh, all right. I'm gonna bring up Cabert Ruiz again. <sighs> Who would you rather have between Cabert Ruiz or Dalton Varshow for next week?
0: <sighs> <laughs> I'd rather have Varsho. You probably want me to talk longer about it than that. My arm is on fire. <laughs> what is I mean, happening? It- until we see Ruiz showing some kind of power in the mate, I mean Varsha's just so interesting, even when he's not hitting for average he he does enough damage in, in a- in a wide enough variety of ways that the production is at least for the past couple of months. it's been worthwhile pretty much every week, so yeah, Varsha would be the choice for me
1: I think that is the hardest I've ever hit my funny bone in my life Scott no exaggeration. My, I didn't hear it. My two, my like my two fingers on my right hand right now are numb. They they're like on fire. I've never felt this before. It's
0: I, I don't know. Maybe you I, know how like you ever wake something. up in the middle of the night because your legs asleep, like Bro, your whole leg. Yeah, and it, and like the thought goes through your mind every time, like it's not going to get the feeling back this time, right? Like I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have to go in and amputate. This is it for my leg. You, like you have those like few seconds of panic, and then of course the feeling comes back. But it's like. It's never less than terrifying, at least in my experience.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is a lot like that. This is, this is a rough one. All right, let, let's get back on track here. Jesus Sanchez hit another home run on Monday. He now has seven home runs in 18 September games. He's 34% rostered, seven games in the final week of the season for the Marlins. So five outfielder leagues if you're chasing power. I think you get Jesus Sanchez in there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would say so. I'm surprised his OPS is over 800 considering, you know, it's, it's kind of, that, it's kind of that Adam Dunn, uh, Duvall profile of low batting average and, and low OBP, lower OBP. But with the power surge he's been on lately, that OPS has climbed to a point that, you know, it's justifiable, I think, to use. Uh, Jesus Sanchez. Now, I doubt the matchups are going to be very good because it's at the Mets for four and against the Mar- uh, the Phillies for three. Two rotations with some good pitchers in them, but we'll we'll see when we actually line up the names.
1: All right. Uh, another name that we talk about a lot, Yoshi Tsutsugo just keeps on going. Two for four. Uh, I believe that came on Monday with his eighth home run in 32 games with the Pirates. He's 7% rostered. He has six home games next week against the Reds and the Cubs. I, I don't think we're going any anywhere shallower than 12-team roto, corner, five outfielder. He has that dual eligibility. But, I mean, if you're just looking for a name to stream that's hot right now, it's it's
0: Yoshi Tsutsugo. I know. I know. Uh, Cubs and Reds are his matchups for next week. Yep. Did you mention that already? Yes, I did. Ah. 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 <laughs> no, he's been... Uh, of the hot players you've mentioned here, Tsutsuko's been the hottest. His numbers are the best. And we haven't talked about him that much. Um, but he just keeps doing it.
1: How about this? Uh, all right, so I mentioned already what he's done since he's joined Pittsburgh, but he's severely lowered the strikeout rate. It's 20% strikeout rate, 13% walk rate during that stretch, a 53% fly ball rate. So... I mean, that's probably more fly balls than we want to see, but he is making contact, putting the ball in the air, 23% home run to fly ball ratio. Uh, he's got a 90-mile-per-hour average exit velocity with the Pirates as well, so that's a good recipe. Not striking out, putting the ball in the air, and hitting it hard. Uh, you're you're, you're going to get some home runs here over the final two weeks from Yoshi Sutsugo. Uh I think a 12-team roto again, or any any league that's that... Size, it's you know corner five outfielders. I think you can get Yoshi Sutego on there. Last one I wanted to mention: Nick Gordon, crazy game on Tuesday, sock in a shoe, third homer, ninth steal of the season. Of course, he is the he's the brother of D Gordon, right? Brother or cousin? I think brother. Brother, brother. Okay, yeah. So uh, Nick Gordon, he's playing now for the Twins. They obviously don't have a lot going on over there. He's three uh, percent rostered. He's got six games next week. Looking to add Nick Gordon anywhere,
0: Scott how consistent I forgot to check this how consistently is he playing
1: I will pull that up but I believe he's been playing pretty consistently for them alright so he has started two four six six of the last seven games for the twins Scott you muted yourself in case you're trying to talk you did that on on stream so there's like a little mute button
0: there you go he's back Yes, sorry about that um, Yeah, no He's been a good source of, so If you need steel cell If you're trying to catch up in that category and just need to throw as many base dealers in your lineup as you can I could see using Gordon in that scenario um, He wasn't a great hitter in the minor he, I've noticed he actually does hit the ball pretty hard But a ton of ground balls He's kind of He kind of sells out for infield singles as nice. As many speedsters used to do
1: Scott, I also think that you somehow disconnected your mic uh, either from your computer or you did it on StreamYard. So I guess hit that cam slash mic button and make sure that you're all you're all good there to go. Uh, but I, in the meantime, I will talk about some of the pitchers to Stash that you wrote an article about for next week. And three that pitched on Tuesday, Tyler Anderson, uh, either Monday or Tuesday, Tyler Anderson, seven innings, one run, had seven strikeouts, and he is home versus the Angels next week. They've really struggled In the second half, he's only 40% rostered. Jordan Montgomery against the Texas Rangers on Tuesday, five and two thirds, one run, had six strikeouts. He is in line for two starts next week at Toronto and versus the Rays. Uh, And then Antonio Sensatella wasn't great against the Dodgers. Uh, He was at home in Coors Field, six innings, four runs. But he is at the Diamondbacks next week, and he's 30% rostered. So three names there. We have a few others that we could talk about. How are we doing, Scotty? How's the mic sound?
0: I don't know. You tell me. Am I back?
1: No, it still sounds like you're coming through your computer or something. So uh, it sounds oh, a little hollow, echoey. So we, uh, we'll figure that out. I'll mention some of these other names that are on your your article. Right. Yeah, right? Yes, you're back. You're back. Okay. All right. So All right. Tyler Anderson, I mentioned. Jordan Montgomery, I mentioned. Sensatella. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other names that you mentioned in this article. Joe Ryan, Alex Cobb. Cole Irvin, Carlos Carrasco, Tyler McGill. is kind of scary, but he's going up against the Marlins. So talk about all of them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, the idea here obviously isn't that you have to start all these guys. The idea is that if you're going, if you or your opponent, I'm thinking specifically for like a head-to-head scenario where it's just you and one other person the final week if if either of you is going to go after a pitcher on the waiver wire from what i can tell this early this this far ahead of time these would be the pitchers to go after so and and obviously there's no reason to hold on to any players beyond next week so you can be you can feel freer to drop certain players that you may have felt obligated to hold on to otherwise in order to pick up these pitchers because even if you don't necessarily want to start these pitchers. It keeps your opponent from starting them against you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Joe Ryan with the matchups against the Tigers and at the Royals, that's obviously the best one. Uh, Alex Cobb, we talked about how we didn't want to start him against the Astros this week His start coming up. But at Texas next week, when he'll have built up even more because it'll be his third start back from the IL. I think Alex Cobb's a great option. Um, Let's see. Yeah, is a little further down the list, but prior to this start against the Dodgers, Sensatella had put together seven straight quality starts. And it's easy to dismiss him because he pitches for the Rockies and he doesn't get any strikeouts, but he is dominated in the other two ways, high ground ball rate, The other two legs of the fifth triangle with a high ground ball rate and an elite walk rate as well. So I don't think it's a total fluke that he had all those quality starts. And you could certainly give him a pass for a start against the Dodgers in Coors Field at Arizona the final week. Yeah, I think Sensatella is interesting enough. You know, two start options. Cole Irvin at Seattle, at Houston. Those are bipolar matchups, obviously, but Generally speaking, two are better than one. And uh, Jordan Montgomery's, per, you know, eighty percent rostered, and the matchups aren't that great. But I still think for, I still think he's undervalued at eighty percent rostered. He's been reliable. He misses a lot of bats, and with two starts there, I think he should be started for somebody in the final week if, if he happens to be available in your league.
1: And I have a few other names here. Uh, I'll just bring up the name, what they did in their most recent start. Scott, you tell me where, if anywhere, you would add these players. Brady Singer was at Cleveland, seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. Uh, but it looks like his final start is at home against the Twins. And he got rocked by them the last time he faced them.
0: Yeah, he did. But this is, what, four great starts in five apart from that one. He's not as interesting as... The 10 pitchers I listed here, but he's pretty close. He's pretty close. I, I could see using him in the final week if I had a need.
1: All right. How about John Lester, who picked up his 200th win of his career on uh, on Monday? So shout out to John Lester. He has a 2.27 ERA, a 101 whip over his last six starts. And it looks like he faces, he's at the Cubs later this week, but also at home against the Cubs next week. Mm. rostered. Any interest in John Lester?
0: I really can't force myself to be interested. The strikeout rate has been so low during this productive stretch, this six-start stretch, you know, 227 ERA, but also a 496 XFIP. Yeah. I can't roll the dice on that.
1: All right. uh, Josh Rogers had an awesome start on Tuesday at the Marlins, seven and two-thirds, one run, four strikeouts. But... He is at the Reds later this week, and then it looks like at Boston next week, which is yucky.
0: Yeah, I mean, Josh Rogers, I don't know how he's managed to pull this off to begin his major league career. He throws 90 miles per hour. He had a 441 ERA and 6.3 K per nine at triple or in the minor leagues this year. So I don't think he's good, but he's had a few good starts.
1: Oh, right. So we're, we're passing. We're passing yeah. Josh Rogers. All right, uh, Drew Rasmussen. Uh, he was up against Toronto. Five innings, two runs, three strikeouts. You know, five innings and two runs or less is now known as the Rasmussen. I, I feel like that's what he does every single time out. He's actually done it in four of his last five starts. Uh, Rasmussen is 30% rostered. And if Boz pitches later this week, then it looks like Rasmussen could line up for two starts in the final week at the Astros, at the Yankees. Obviously, yeah. we don't love those matchups. 30% rostered. What do you think?
0: We don't love those matchups. And Rasmussen is a guy who you know isn't going to give you a quality start. I think a two-star Rasmussen just because of how reliable he's been. And, you know, it's, it's an above-average ground ball rate and above-average swinging strike rate to go along with the run prevention there. Uh, I, I could see using him in a two-star week, even knowing he won't give you a quality start, but with those matchups, probably I'd probably shy away from it.
1: All right, we got two more names here. Luke Weaver was up against the Braves, six and two-thirds, five runs, only three of those were earned, but he did have seven strikeouts and 17 swinging strikes. He's 12% rostered, hmm. and it looks like home versus the Rockies next week.
0: So the 17 swinging strikes was a career high for Luke Weaver. I actually looked into that. He's been around since 2016, and that was his career high for swinging strikes in a game. However, since coming back from the IL, he's had two good starts, two bad, and he's still Luke Weaver, so I'll pass.
1: All right, and last one is Jake Woodford was at the Brewers. Five shutout. He had five strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 84 pitches, and much like his teammate... John Lester. He's at the Cubs later this week, and then it looks like home against the Cubs next week. Jake Woodford, 5% rostered. No thanks. All right. Starter sit these pitchers in your championship week. And let's assume 12 team league. Uh, John Means, six straight starts with three earned runs or less. He's got a 2.70 ERA during that stretch, but it comes with a 4.63 XFIP. Looks like he is home against Texas this weekend, but at Toronto next week. Yikes.
0: Yeah, John Means is one of those pitchers who probably is incapable of having a good ex-fip. <laughs> you know, unless he sees a big jump in strikeout rate in the years ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that his only start is at Toronto with all those home run hitters, and he's a fly ball pitcher... I think I would pass, even though he's been, you know, he's looked pretty good of late.
1: All right, this is probably a slam dunk, easy one for you. But Ranger Suarez, in 10 starts now, has a 1.99 ERA, a 1 2 whip, a 1 2 1 whip, and it looks like he's at Miami next week. So slam dunk. Yeah. All right. Slam dunk. Let's go. Ranger Suarez, keep him in there. Framber Valdez, uh, seven shutout on Monday against the Angels with six strikeouts. His sinker velocity was actually up 1.4 miles per hour, and he is at Oakland later this week, but then at home against Oakland next week. So two starts in a row against a a pretty pesky offense. Would you actually start Valdez next week?
0: Probably. It wouldn't be an automatic start. I'd weigh my options, but in the end, I in most 12-team leagues, you'd prob- I'd probably decide he was one of my five best choices.
1: All right, uh, Cal Quantrill turned in another quality start, and I don't don't really know how he's done it. I mean, he gets a lot of ground balls. He he does a good job of limiting hard contact, but...
0: doesn't get that many ground balls. Kind of an average ground ball rate.
1: Yeah, so it's it's interesting. He's now down to a 2.82 ERA, and uh, he is home versus the White Sox later this week, but it looks like it would be at Texas next week. He's only 67% started. If he's at Texas, I think that number needs to be higher.
0: It'll kind of depend how he does against the White Sox, I think, later this week. See if the the magic runs out, because it does seem like a magic trick he's performed here. But he's been performing it for a long time. Yeah, let's see. 10 of 12 quality starts with an ERA well, well below 2 during that 12-start stretch. So, yeah, I I think you should plan on playing him at Texas.
1: All right. Jose Urquidy was at the Angels on Tuesday, five and a third, six hits, four earned runs. He gave up 13 hard hit balls against that Angels lineup, which is not very good. And it looks like he's home against Oakland next week for one.
0: Yeah. uh, Also at Oakland later this week. So that might factor into the decision a little, but probably lean no on Urquidy in most cases.
1: Yep. Uh, we had another clunker from Eduardo Rodriguez, which seems like I've said that a lot this season. Four mm-hmm. four and a third, mm-hmm. two runs, three walks, five strikeouts. Uh, he's only 66% started, but it looks like he's at the Orioles at the Nationals next week. Both teams, by the way, are very good against left-handed pitching.
0: Yeah, on a points league, I think you have to do it. If it's categories league, you know, mm-hmm. might consider whether you need the strikeouts and wins or the ERA and whip more. But Eduardo Rodriguez has been arguably the biggest underachiever at starting pitcher this year, even even more so than Aaron Nola, possibly.
1: I think underachiever just based on what his underlying numbers are. Obviously, we didn't.
0: Yeah, have, that's what I
1: mean. Okay, cool. Yeah, because we didn't have like expectations for Eduardo Rodriguez, at least not big ones, uh, coming into the season. Tyler Malley really cannot pitch at home. <laughs> he was uh, home against the Pirates. On Tuesday, four and a third, three runs, three walks, six strikeouts. Uh, He is home against the Nationals later this week, so I guess we see how that one goes. But he is at Pittsburgh next week. On the road, I think we do it, yeah.
0: Yeah, I would agree.
1: Uh, All right, Trevor Rodgers had a a kind of a mixed bag bounce back here against the Nationals. Five and a third, four runs, only one of those was earned. But he had ten swinging strikes uh 10 strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes and his fastball velo was up to 94. Point, uh 95.4 miles per hour and it looks like the Marlins play 7 games next week and Trevor Rogers would be at the Mets versus the Phillies. I know I mentioned not using him
0: but I was kind of encouraged by this start. Yeah, no, I it was very encouraging. His 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 season had paralleled Carlos Rodon's right up to here at the end, you know, wasn't going even five innings in games. His velocity was down several miles per hour, but the velocity was back up in this start. And, you know, they let him go five and a third. They let him have, you know, they let, they let him, they, they, they they let him go like a regular starter would go. And, um, you know, with two starts, at least in theory, two starts the final week. The first would be against the Mets, right? So the first would be the better matchup if he doesn't end up making two. I think uh, I think there's definitely a case to start Trevor Rogers.
1: Last one I've got for you. Nasty Nestor Cortez. He let us down on Monday against Texas. Four and a third, three runs. He did have seven strikeouts. <clears throat> he is at Boston later this week, but it looks like at Toronto next
0: week. So uh, don't yeah, love that. I'd probably shy away from him.
1: Yep. All right. A few leftovers from the past couple of days. Salvador Perez hit his forty sixth home run, breaking the single season record for most home runs by a catcher. Although the Kansas City Royals broadcast did not acknowledge it, and they obviously didn't really care about it. But uh, that's not, uh, not,
0: at least not when he it sailed over the fence and he was trotting around the bases. Yeah, it, it was not top of mind for them, which I thought was pretty embarrassing
1: yeah i mean it really was and i know like someone tweeted at us that oh once he got back to the dugout they started talking about
0: it because they I, have producers I mean, yeah it's like come <laughs> but, on man
1: like you're the kansas city royals you're you're not playing for anything i don't care if you don't know you don't follow stats or whatever i mean it's your job you're like if, if there's a milestone coming up you have to know about it and like as soon as that ball goes over the wall i mean you should be freaking out it's the
0: biggest achievement for the team this year, you know? Yeah, 100%. it's an individual achievement, but you know, it's it's obviously uh reflects well. It's something for Royals fans to cheer about.
1: Bad job. Bad job, Royals yeah. broadcasters. Not the Royals, because they put out a bunch of tweets, but didn't didn't enjoy that. Joey By Ma-
0: the way, worth pointing out since it came up on Twitter as well. 46 home runs, the most hit by a person who plays primarily catcher. The most hit by a player actually at the catcher position in a season was Javi Lopez in 2003. He hit 42 as a catcher. He hit 43 overall. Only 31 of Salvador Perez's 46 have come at catcher just to, just to clarify, but you know, he was chasing Johnny bench who 38 of his 45 years ago came at catcher. So that's, that seems to be the number people cared about more.
1: Yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning and bringing up. It is a fantastic achievement nonetheless. 46 home runs uh, for Salvador Perez. Joey Votto had a double dong on Monday, now up to a now up to 33 home runs overall for the season. Jazz Chisholm, double dong with a stolen base on Monday in that game. He's now up to 17 homers in 41 games since returning from the I.L. on July 30th. 247 batting average, 6 homers, 9 steals. That is a 21 homer, 32 steal pace over 150 games for Jazz Chisholm. Someone I'm very interested in for uh, for roto and category leagues next year. I just I think we just see him taking another step. That's kind of the uh mm-hmm. the projection, the development that we've seen here for Jazz Chisholm. Uh Nolan Arenado went 2 for 3 with his 33rd home run of the season on Monday. Uh, I mean we've talked about him 255 batting average but a lot of power it's it's meh from uh, from Nolan Arenado. the Yankees big boys all went yard on Tuesday Gallo hit his 38th Stanton hit his 31st Aaron judge hit his 36th home run uh Xander Bogarts hit his 23rd it's really turned out to be just like a like a pretty good season for Bogarts like the overall numbers he's still like an 880 OPS which is very good I, I don't want to downplay that but like 23 Homers based on where he was. The first three months of the season, it's it's kind of a letdown for for Xander Bogarts. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel back-to-back days with a home run. He's hitting 366 with seven home runs in September. Uh, Austin Riley went one for forward his 30th home run of the season. He's also hitting 394 RBI, 82 runs scored. And uh got to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back here, Scott, because I wrote this back on February 19th. If Riley just couples his new contact approach with his massive power... We could easily see 30-plus home runs with solid counting stats in the Braves lineup. Mm-hmm. I don't do that often. I don't like, you know, whatever, propping up things <laughs> that we write about. Oh, I got this right. You know, we talk about a lot of things that we get wrong here on the podcast, but it's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's pretty cool to get one thing right this year. Uh, although, as much as I liked Riley, I think I drafted him on one of 12 or like 15 teams. So, good mm-hmm. job, Frank. You, you did great. Manny Machado. Three for three. Uh that probably changed since the last time I wrote that, but he did have a double tong on Tuesday. Kind of a dis. I don't know. Is it a disappointing year for Manny Machado, Scott? 282s, 26 homers, 12 steals.
0: I mean, I expected more. Yeah. I if you would told me this would be a stat line, I don't think I would have used a second round pick on him. So I would say it's disappointing. However. You know, it's it's. I wouldn't call him a bust. I wouldn't go that far. If you're losing, I don't think Manny Machado is the reason why.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I looked it up beforehand. He's like the 30th ranked player in roto leagues this year. So uh, that's like pretty close, actually, to where his ADP was. But uh,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know that those should necessarily correlate where they are in the roto output and where they should be drafted, but. But yeah, I mean, that's higher than I would suspect. I'm sure the 12 stolen bases are doing a lot of the lifting there just because stolen bases are so scarce.
1: A few bullpen updates for you. For the Royals on Monday, Scott Barlow gave up a solo home run but picked up his 14th save for the Tigers on Monday. Someone named Alex Lang picked up his first save of the season, and then Michael Fulmer was back out there on Tuesday, got his 11th save. For the Orioles on Monday, Cole Sulcer recorded four outs across the seventh and eighth innings, and then Tyler Wells came on for his third save of the season. For the Cardinals on Monday, Luis Garcia picked up his first save. Giovanni Gallegos has been used a lot recently, and speaking of which, he bounced, bounced back on Tuesday with his 11th save for the Cardinals. Uh, for the Mariners, Paul Sewald recorded the final five outs for his ninth save on Monday, and then Drew Steckenrider. Got his tenth save on Tuesday. Seawald pitched in the eighth. So, ah, that is, that is the Mariners. I think you know it's going to be Seawald or it's going to be Steckenrider. It's it's usually one of those two at this point in the season. To stream or not to stream? Let's start with Wednesday. Ronaldo Lopez at the Tigers. Luis Patino versus the Blue Jays. Carlos Hernandez at Cleveland. Eliezer Hernandez versus the Nationals. Joe Ryan at the Cubs and Cole Irvin versus the Mariners.
0: Joe Ryan's my favorite here. I think his wrist will be fine. Cole Irvin against the Mariners. I like that too. And Carlos Hernandez at Cleveland. I can get behind that even though he got he got knocked around in his last start and did a long stretch of success for him.
1: Streamers for Thursday. Adrian Hauser versus the Cardinals. Kyle Freeland versus the Dodgers. I don't know how to say this person's name, so I'm not even going to say it. He's a pitcher for the Orioles, so we don't want to use that pitcher. Glenn Otto at the (laughs) Orioles. And then uh, we have Michael Pineda versus the Blue Jays and Alex Cobb versus the Astros.
0: Mm. How
1: do you say that guy's name? Zach
0: Lowther? Lowther? I don't know why you'd consider using him. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't love this list, really.
1: It's not great.
0: I mean, I like Cobb, but against the Astros...
1: I mean, Scott. There's there's one very clear start here. One eight hundred Glenn Auto. Come on,
0: <laughs> pick up the phone. The call is free. Play it safe. No, skip auto. <laughs> Sorry, skip auto. Don't want to do them. Uh, yeah, I don't. Anybody here? I mean, Adrian Hauser against the Cardinals, I could see that going okay. Uh, Honestly, if you were forcing me to pick one, I think I'd still pick Alex Cobb against the Astros. But you know, I don't really want to do that.
1: No, we do not. Let's wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball. Today we'll be back again on Friday. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.